0: Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody, welcome to part two of our discussion of the law of intuition. My name is Amber Jordan, and I'm here with Dr. Michael David Morales, but around here we call him Mo. Happy New Year, Mo. We made it. We made it to 2021.
1: Um yeah, we did and I am excited <laughs> that it is no longer 2020. Zero, zero. It is now 2021. Let's see if we can uh make it a little bit different. It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be here with you and with our listeners. So happy new year to you everybody out there. We are excited that you are with us and we are going to continue the conversation that we started last week on the law of intuition. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast, you're going to want to make sure you go back and do that because it really sets up this conversation well. But a brief recap is we discussed what leadership intuition is and its relationship to developing a leadership lens, which is really important. And we talked also about the two things that make up leadership intuition, which is natural ability and learned skill. So Mo, I know you're going to be giving us five practical things that we can do as leaders, Um, that we can really look closely at that will help us grow our leadership intuition. But before we get there, I was wondering, what are some of the areas that people in leadership tend to really not be intuitive about?
1: That's a really good question. And intuition is one of those skills that a leader needs to pretty much hone over all of time. And it's so important to help your followers become the best that they can be. And to do that, you have to be in tune with them and um, what they want and need. So if you want to make it more specific and bring it directly to the doorstep of each of our listeners here, there would probably be three common areas that stand out right away. And the first one is this, realizing that the journey is a lot longer than you think it's going to be. The second one is that seeing things as other people's faults, not your own. Um, And the third one that uh, people kind of uh, get wrong is that uh, they intentionally view everything um, through something other than the leadership lens. And we want to help them view everything through a leadership lens. So I would say that uh, the three most common areas that people tend not to be intuitive, would be kind of centered around those, but let me explain just a little bit further. People tend to miss the law of intuition when it comes to the simple stuff that shouldn't be missed, but it most often is. And I'm talking about um, team member morale, uh, momentum of companies, uh, and especially, especially, especially relational dynamics. I think everybody could get better at that one. So there's a lot of intangibles that leaders miss and they probably miss them seriously on a daily basis.
0: What do, what do you mean by intangibles?
1: Well, these intangibles are maybe the things that you you don't see. So there's things that you can kind of get your hands on. Like for instance, if you make a bad decision uh, and people kind of see that in, and you can see the consequences of it in real time, that's something that's kind of tangible. It's a bad decision. And, and and you do that wrong or you get it right. And you're thinking, well, you know, I got that. But the intangibles would kind of be the things that we can't see, uh, putting time in uh, over the long haul, as we like to call it, uh, getting to know people, the relationships, the conversations that you have with people, standing around the water cooler. Those are the things that you don't really see. But over the course of several months or years, that's going to make a big difference.
0: Okay. So it's all the harder, more complicated things that are more challenging to measure, but make the biggest difference basically is what you're saying. Yeah. And
1: and that's, what's funny is a lot of people really focus on the things that are more part of the management uh, style. And remember we talked last week about, where a lot of leaders think they're, they're leading, but really they're just managing. And so uh, I, I just always tell people, you know, if you don't know the name of uh, your workers' kids, uh, if you don't know what maybe one of their hobbies is, these are the things that matter, but seem to be what people don't focus on. If I start talking to somebody, let's uh, let's say that I love golf, and so you and I are talking, Amber, and I'm just telling you about my golf game and and how I'm, I, I I took a stroke off and and I'm getting better, and you're just like, well, I don't care about golf, you know, I like riding <laughs> go karts or whatever it is, you know. My job as a leader is not to make you come to me in the things that we that we talk about, but the other way around. I'm always supposed to meet you where you're at, and. I would say leaders just miss that. And the reason they miss it is sometimes they intentionally miss it. In fact, they're being intentional in the wrong way, I guess, because they're thinking, well, this stuff doesn't matter. I just need to get things done. It's about the bottom line. It's about making money. It's about getting this ministry project done. It's about you know, accomplishing something. And for somebody and believe me, believe me, w- within my personality amber and I know you're kind of the same way, we are task people. I love getting things done. I love checking something off and just crossing it off my list and saying, "Man, I accomplished that. I that was a win for me." <laughs> yeah. What does that have to do with me actually putting time into spending time, investing time into the people that make that that I, that make things happen, the, the people that are actually that are actually making your company successful, that are making your organization successful. Are you putting the time in there? Because those are the intangibles.
0: Yeah, that's good. I I remember running over people to get things done and then expecting that they would follow me or wondering how come I'm doing all this work and no one's following me and no one's helping me, forgetting the fact or not even, not, not forgetting, not even, having a clue that I was actually neglecting the most important thing which was the relationship so that's really good well I know you're going to give us some five things that we can really focus on five areas that will help us grow our intuition and it's it's around this idea of leaders are readers and you always say our podcast listeners are going to get used to you saying leaders are readers leaders are readers but as we read John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, we see that he takes a different spin on this leaders are readers. Now, I'm sure he absolutely believes that all leaders should be reading books, but he talks about leaders are readers of of different things, five different things that, uh, this was really insightful to me because I had never thought about it in this way. So help us understand when he's talking about the law of intuition and he says, leaders are readers, what are the five areas that they're reading.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's just take them one by one. How, how about that? And and we'll start with this. Uh, if you are somebody out there, there, that is aspiring to be a person of influence, to be a leader, then you need to write this stuff down. You need to read Maxwell's book. Uh, there's nothing that, that I'm going to tell you that hasn't already been said, but maybe it'll kind of, uh, knock you upside the head when, when you hear it from me, the way, uh, it knocked me upside the head when, uh, Uh, I read it for the first time several years ago. And here's the first one, Amber. Leaders are readers of their situation. And most of us in life don't just get to do one thing, right? We all wear a lot of different hats. You wear a lot of different hats, right? I mean, uh, you're a mom, you're a pastor, uh, you uh, are are probably, um, you know, the the gardener at your house. Uh, You you might, you know, (laughs) if you're listening out there, you might be the repair man or or woman of of, uh, things that go wrong. Uh, You've got a ton of different hats. Maybe you are a coach or a team mom or a team dad of a sport, or let's just say um, you are part of an organization and you are not in charge maybe, but you are playing a different part. You're wearing a lot of different hats. And so I do a lot of different things as well. And what I would say to those of you out there who are aspiring to be leaders is that you need to read each uh, situation that you're in. Leaders are always looking uh, at the environment. There's a ton of different circumstances that you're going to go through in life. And I've heard so many people say, so many people that I respect, men and women, uh, both in books and in the mentoring and coaching relationships that I have. And people say, look, Mo, you, you can't really change your circumstances, but you can change the way that you respond to your circumstances. And if you're out there and you want to be a leader, you need to read each situation as a leader would. That's why we talked about the leadership lens. And for instance, leaders they pick up on the little things that might get around everybody else. They, they've they got their antenna up, their leadership antenna, as I like to call them. They can tune in to the different dynamics of leadership. So Amber, the question is, are you reading your situations? And more importantly, are you reading them as a leader would?
0: Well, but how does somebody know that they're doing that? So I, I would say I would say that as a leader, or someone that was aspiring to be a leader, I thought I had a really good handle on the situations, I thought I was seeing them clearly. And so I was making decisions on, you know, the direction that we were going and how to lead people or how to train people based on feeling like, I've got a good read on this situation but when you came in as a co- coaching role you started seeing things that I didn't see and at first I didn't like what you were seeing but I cuz I didn't see it that way but you saw it through a leadership lens in a totally different way so how does somebody who's listening to this look at their situation and have confidence that I'm I'm seeing this clearly or what do they need in their life to help them see situations clearly
1: when I walk into a situation, Amber, for instance, you mentioned with your team, uh, for the first time, you had a great team, uh, to begin with, they were all people that, that cared about the organization, cared about the people that they were ministering to. But what I did right away is I just kind of, I kind of tuned in and and, and I kind of, uh, uh, just kind of put my 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 senses into what leaders do, which is attitudes. I can sense people's attitudes right away. I can I, I can I can detect what people are feeling. I could sit around a table, Amber, with you and your team, and I can feel the chemistry of that team. I could tell when your team was fired up to be there. I could tell when they were tired. And just didn't you know know if they could go another uh, another uh, ounce? If they can go another yard, but that's what leaders do. They're always looking. They're looking for again the intangibles and some of the tangibles for a situation. Amber, the, the tangibles, the things you can get your your hands on are the things that a lot of us like. What what do we like? We like stats. We like reports. <laughs> we like balance sheets. We like bottom lines. Why? Because those are things we can actually get our hands on, sink our teeth in. What really scares people is what fires leaders up. And what leaders do is they get their hands on the intangibles, the things that Mm. other people really don't see. They know a situation, Amber, before it even happens. They know a situation before they've got all the facts. By the time something's happening, a leader's saying, okay, we're starting to shift into doing this because I knew the situation was going to happen. You see, Mm. if you want to be a leader out there and you want to be a a reader of a situation, you need to stop looking at the tangibles, right? You need to stop looking at the stats, the, the reports, all that kind of stuff, which are all important. Those are all important, but everybody can do that. What they can't do and what they need is for somebody to read the situation, to give them something that they can't see. You've gotta be able to, 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 to smell it out and say, okay, this is where we're going. Based on my understanding and my intuition, this is the situation, and this
0: is how we're going to deal with it. Okay. So, leaders are readers of their situation. But John Maxwell also says that leaders are readers of trends. This one scares me because I don't think I'm very trendy. <laughs> so, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a leader or a reader of trends?
1: Oh, man. Let, let me just tell you uh, what I love about trends is that they are just that. They are whatever's going on right now. See mo- most most followers are focused on whatever they're doing currently, right? So if you have a job, uh, you're focused on whatever project is at hand. If you are sitting in a cubicle and you have to uh, you have to send a certain amount of widgets out by Friday, that's what you're focused on. I mean, whatever's trending in your life, that's, what's important to you. Um, if you take it for like trends, like with, with kids, for instance, I mean, there's all this social media stuff. There's people are always doing something different. There's what's things that are called trendy, right? And Amber, you and I always talk about, we need to bring the nineties back. We need to bring the eighties back. You know, like, we, we, we need to bring back, we need to show these kids what it used to be like, right. And talking like a couple of old people, but what's, what's trendy now. And, and here's the thing. Most managers are really concerned about, again, being efficient, being effective. It's not their job to think about the broader view of what their employees are thinking. They're not supposed to be thinking, "Wow, I wonder how, you know, so and so is doing at home. I wonder how uh, his kids. I wonder if his kids are doing okay in sports." They're not thinking about that. They're 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 thinking about the bottom line. Getting things done. The employees to them usually are just that. They're employees. They're thinking in terms of what do I have to get done this week? What do I have to get done this month? What do I have to get done this year? Right. But leaders take what I call the broader view. They look years and decades ahead. Remember, Amber, what what we talked about when when I first um, sat down with you? I said, Are you willing to take the journey for the next? 20 years, right? (laughs) And wherever you're at, you're at, you are somewhere in that 20 year journey. And I remember when Kevin talked to me about that journey over 25 years ago, I just thought to myself, man, I I don't know if I can put that kind of time in, but I'm willing to put it in and I'm willing to work through the trends, the things that are are different. So um, I know you probably have more questions about that. How can I be more specific and clarify that a little more?
0: Well, I just think what would you tell somebody who thinks, well, I I don't want to be somebody who just jumps from trend to trend. I want to be somebody who, you know, has a more solid sense of direction or whatever. You know, there's there's a bunch of reasons why we make excuses to not want to kind of go with the trend or, or employ a trend in a particular situation. So what would you say to somebody like that?
1: I would say this. Leaders in some ways do buck the trends, meaning we're not concerned necessarily about the trends. If you're worried about a 20-year journey of leadership, Amber, you can't be worried about the here and now. You're thinking further out. And so if you want to accomplish that, you have to step back. You have to see what's happening in the moment, but you have to see how that's going to affect the organization in the future. And where it's headed, and leaders know that when they hear a trend, if it points the direction, the company in the right direction, they can say, "Yes, I know where it's going because I've got intuition. This is good." But sometimes they look at a trend and say, "I don't know if that's really going to help out," and so they have to help as a leader change that. They have to they have to sense first and, and. find out what they already know and then they have to explain it to their people later and that's what stuff about leadership is is getting people to follow you where you don't even know you're going sometimes right. you know your intuition as a leader is supposed to tell you something that's going to happen but within within a moment that is changing from moment to moment actually and you need a sense when trouble's coming you need a sense when opportunity is coming. Leaders are always steps ahead of their people. That's their job. Their job is to find out what's coming next. In fact, one of my favorite quotes that I've heard Andy Stanley say, and it may or may not be directly from him, but a leader is the one that treks through the jungle, finds the the highest tree, climbs that highest tree, looks out over the horizon and yells to the rest of the followers, wrong jungle. Because really, that's what it's about. Leaders sometimes are the ones that give that direction, but they have to be able to take their people where they might not be comfortable or confident going, knowing that they're going to have to adjust on the fly. Because, Amber, trends always change. My favorite shirt that In N Out puts out uh, In N Out Burger, if you're not from California, In N Out Burger. is uh, the best burger in the world. And I, I'm probably going to get comments on, on our feed for that. Uh, it's, it's You've probably got a favorite burger joint, but...
0: Um, but unless say, they agree, they're wrong.
1: Unless they agree. I mean, there are there are some... I say there's no right and wrong, Amber, but when it comes to burgers, there is a right and wrong. And In-N-Out is the right answer. So anyway, um, I always like buying the, the new In-N-Out burger t-shirt. I always get it. it, it it's been one of my, my things that I've been doing for years. And my favorite one always is the one where it shows In N Out Burger in the 50s. It says the burger. And then it goes to like the, the club sandwich is trendy. And then the steak is trendy. And then some kind of fish is trendy. But then it always gets up to whatever the current year is 2020 or whatever 2021. And then it shows the burger again. And it says, some things are just, you know, some, some things buck the trends. And that's really <laughs> what it is. And as leaders, we have to be able to know that. We're going to go through a ton of different trends. Your job as a leader is to keep people grounded, knowing that you're taking a further view. Try this if you're a leader. If you can help people understand that no matter how the trends change, that the one constant through all that change is you caring for them through that change and leading them, they will follow you to Timbuktu.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't know who said this, but I'm sure it's in one of the books that we've read together. But just about the idea of the, the mission stays the same, but the method changes. And I think that's, that's the leader's job is to recognize, I know where it is that we're going. I know what it is that we're trying to accomplish. But yeah, this new trend, this new method might be the best thing to get us closer or further down the road of that mission um, for this particular season. And so to not be afraid of those trends and those new things while at the same time sifting through all the trends, deciding which one is going to align with our mission and get us farther along the journey where we tend to be.
1: So that's great. I, I think that's, that's really what it is. And so um, just remember, if you're a leader out there, um, don't be afraid to help people understand that just because everything catches on fire we need to stop flying the plane and just run back and start putting out the fire what happens is everybody goes back to put out the fire but then nobody's nobody's flying the plane <laughs> so oh, yeah so when those trends change and catch fire to different you know parts of the uh of, of the plane Just remember, there's other people that can do that. There's only one person that can fly the plane and that person is the leader. And so keep doing, put out the fires, but don't (laughs) stop flying the plane.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So leaders are readers of their situation and readers of trends. What's the third thing that leaders need to be readers of?
1: Leaders are readers of their resources. See, the difference between leaders and everybody else that's out there is the way that they see what is in front of them, the things that that are, are at hand, the resources. Um, somebody who's good at what they do uh, says to themselves, hey, what can I do to help the situation? But somebody uh, who wants to uh, be, a, be a high achiever says, man, I want to solve the problem, okay? But somebody who is kind of at, at the top of their game They think, what do I need to do to reach the next level so that I can overcome this once and for all? And leaders think in what one of my buddies, Dr. Lemusita calls, uh, and he and I kind of talk about this all the time, next level leadership. They think in terms of, man, these resources, this is what I have. And this is what I have to do to get the most out of it. So you're out there thinking, man, I would love to have a great team. I would love to to get to the next level, Mo, but you don't know how it is. I'm at an organization that only has two employees or I've only got 40 or 50 people that are, you know, kind of doing stuff. And so we don't have a lot of capital and, oh man, woe is me. And what I would say to you is you're probably in a better position than uh, a bigger company with thousands and thousands of employees, because think about what it takes to, to change the direction of a ship with that many that's that big and a little rudder to make a big change. Well what about a small company? man, you're right where you need to be. most of us amber are in a place where we can make more change over a longer period of time. but we're all focused on what the re- the resources that we have right now and we're thinking, oh man, I if I only had more And what I'm saying is leaders don't think like that. Leaders think, hey, this is what I have right now. Here's the challenges that I have right now. Here's the problems that I have right now. And because I have challenges and problems, man, that equals opportunity. Mm. And so they think, well, I've got these resources. Who are the people that I could give these resources to, to get the job done? And those resources or what, what they call it in business, the, the, the raw materials, different information, the new technology, whatever's at hand, you know, I just got a new computer, and so it's got new technology. Well, I've got new resources at my at my fingertips now, right? Well, what do you do with those those resources? And the question is, how can I encourage my team to jump on board with me with the resources that we have to achieve that success?
0: Yeah. And just how do you how do you keep yourself from using a lack of resources as an excuse? You know, we all love kind of the underdog story of someone that the unlikely person, but they had the determination or like we talked about last time, the grit to do whatever they could. And then they accomplished things that we think, oh, I wish I could do that. But none of us want to be in their starting position. But like you said, realizing it's really an opportunity. And I remember you telling me stories, but when you first started off with Kevin Cobb and youth ministry, and you know you had a few students, no budget. You're playing freeze tag and you are frustrated because you want this great ministry and 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 rightly so. You wanted to provide amazing things for the students that you're caring for. But Kevin Cobb was the one that was helping you see the bigger picture of this isn't, this isn't just about what we're doing today. This is about the long game and what what resources can we use? What can we do now to get to where we're going?
1: And can I say, Amber,, uh, you hit on something that is something. Let me tell you if you're a leader out there, one of my biggest frustrations that I one of the first huge frustrations that I had being under Kevin Cobb, uh, and and my my being underneath Kevin Cobb's leadership was just years of frustration because that's what made me better. But he <laughs> said, Mo, you gotta see everything as a leader with a leadership bias. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it meant because I wasn't, I wasn't him. I didn't have years and years of experience the way that he had, but he said, don't worry, we're going to focus on building. This is what he says. Here it is. Leaders build leaders and they build teams. And he would say, Mo, we're going to focus on building those people we're going to, we're, we're going to put them into teams and then we're going to leverage. That's one of his favorite terms. We're going to leverage in this case, our resources to get done whatever we need to get done. We're not going to wait. We're not going to wait till we have a, an organization of hundreds of people. We're going to, we're going to work hard and, and do what we need to do before we have that so that we can get there.
0: And it mm-hmm. was just
1: amazing to do that because for that reason, By being able to see everything, Amber, with that leadership bias, Kevin Cobb helped me to always be aware of what I had at my disposal and meaning in a good way to say, Mo, you need to give people a reason to follow you. And he would never let me complain. He always was about personal responsibility. He said, I would say, well, Kevin, we can do this if I had this space. And he would say, well, we don't have that space. We have this space. What are we going to do? And I would get so mad and I'd say, <laughs> ah, and then I would figure out how to do it. Mm. And it wasn't that he was putting me in positions to fail because I always knew that he wasn't going to put me in a position that there wasn't a way to do it. Now, it wasn't always the easiest way to do it, but he knew that if he gave me enough space, space enough leash, that I could do it. And so my question for you leaders uh, out there is, are you using the resources that you have properly it's that simple it's not it's not complicated right it, it's it's not easy yeah. it's hard but it's not complicated it's simple you have resources amber we talked about that right yeah I, I said I need you to write down a list of the resources that you have right <laughs> the people that you have the resources that you have the space that you have and then we can figure out what we want to do with that
0: yeah. Yeah, that was great because I was very much in the mindset of I have nothing if I only had all of these things. But also what what we touched on or you touched on a minute ago is I I had a great team and really the people were my greatest resource because I I had their talent and their creativity and their desire to influence people. And so that's that's the next thing is leaders are readers of people. So talk to us about that. What does that mean?
1: Oh, man, I can't say enough about this one, Amber. People are it. It, Everything else can come and go, but people are it. And I remember, and I I don't even remember where where I found this, so please somebody tell me, but the only reason to ever burn a bridge is because somebody lacks character and you shouldn't be in, in contact with them. Everything else is salvageable. And I remember I would burn so many bridges because somebody didn't do business the way that I did, or they didn't do ministry the way that I did, or they didn't view life the way that I did. And I was not a very good reader of people. I was horrible. And so my question to you is, you know, are you able to read people in the situation that you're in right now? So when you go to work, can you read the people around you? Are you intuitive of uh, the relationships, of your boss, of your peers, of the people that report to you? And if you want to be a leader, if you want to be an intuitive leader, if you want to be a reader of people, you need to know that leaders can sense what's happening. They 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 know uh, the hopes, the dreams, the fears what they're concerned with the things that are going on behind the scenes of their people. So if you're listening to this and thinking, man, I have no idea what, you know, Joe Schmo at work is, you know, doing at home or what he's thinking about, or what is, what are his hopes and dreams? Well, why don't, why should I care about his hopes and dreams? I thought I'm just his manager and we sit in cubicles. Well, if you want to lead the guy, you need to learn who he is. You need to learn how to read him better. And you can't read somebody unless you get into, unless you get into relationship with them. So are you in relationship with the people that are following you? Because believe me, they want you to reach out and to get to know them.
0: Yeah. And, and when, when you began to coach me in this particular area, you introduced me to something that I I had heard of but had no clue what it really meant and that was emotional intelligence and you had helped me understand that yes I thought I was in relationship with these people I thought I was in tune with what they were thinking and feeling but really I was just focusing on am I getting them to do what I need them to do and you were noticing even and you would watch me like this is kind of the the creepy part about coaching, but absolutely necessary is that you would stand there and watch me have conversations with people. And I'm thinking I'm killing it. I was clear. I told them exactly what to do and how to do it. And then we'd walk away and you'd be like, you didn't even, you didn't even see that person there. You know, you didn't, they're frustrated. You don't know where they're coming from. You didn't listen to them. You know, like, all these things. And I'm just like, oh. but I just led them. I led them exactly to where they needed to go. <laughs> and, and so then you actually had me read a book about emotional intelligence. So what, what role does that play? And why is um, learning about that so important?
1: Well, it's funny you say that I actually just had that conversation with a young aspiring leader this morning about emotional intelligence, and if uh, one of the books on my top 50 is a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and in Emotional Intelligence 2.0, it talks about a a a bunch of different things that you need to do, but it pretty much asks you the question, are you self-aware, and are you socially aware? Meaning, can you see yourself for, for who you really are? And then the second piece is, do you actually know what other people... Think about you because those questions are not that easy to answer. A lot of people, oh, yeah, I'm self aware. Yeah, I'm well, are you? And the way that you figure that out, obviously, right, Amber, is you have other people speak into your life. But the second part, the socially aware piece, man, that's the tough part because that's like me saying, Am I socially aware? Do I know what Amber thinks about me? And actually, that's kind of scary because um, now that I now, now that I know some of the thoughts after you, we, we had some of our shouting and crying sessions, right? Um, it's, good to be, it's good to be socially aware. It's good to be self-aware. It's good to be socially aware. But back to the, to the main question that you asked, um, I would say this. You have to be able to read people to be a leader. You have to. In fact, I would say this. Reading people is the most important skill that leaders have in the intuition department. That's it. If you can't read people, Amber, you're going to be out of the game. You're going to become obsolete. People are going to be frustrated with you. They're going to follow somebody else. So, leaders out there, are you perfecting this skill? Now, notice I said skill, not talent, right? If you want to learn, People, right, Amber, people want to learn the difference between talents and skills. They need to read Angela Duckworth's book, right? Yeah. Great. And she'll tell you the difference between talent and skill. And I would say skill right here and in intuition, leaders need to really hone that skill. You got to get better at it. There's just not a certain amount of intuition you've been given and then, well, that's it. No, you have to hone the skill. You have to work at it because here it is. If whatever you're doing doesn't involve somebody else, then you're not leading. You're basically just an, a, a, a lone wolf. Uh, 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 you're you're maybe an entrepreneur, you're, which is all great, but leadership involves people by nature of the definition. <laughs> leadership, you have to lead something, right? Lead follower, get out of the way. Or as my favorite poster in my Latin teacher, uh, her class, Miss Sucato's class in high school. I remember she had this great poster uh, at, at the front of her class, and it was it was a picture of this this uh, mama duck and these little ducklings, and she's looking behind her, and it says, "If you think you're leading, but nobody's following, you're just taking a walk." And <laughs> man, I love that poster because I I didn't realize until later on. Man, I was just taking a walk for so many years. And so many people out there, Amber, that think they're leaders are really just taking a walk. So the question is, (laughs) are you leading? Are people following you or are you just taking a walk? Because if you aren't helping people to follow, if you aren't giving people a reason to follow you, then you're not leading at all. And Amber, what I want for people to do is to be able to read people so that they can help them come alongside The vision that you have, which I'm sure is a great vision, and to help them be better. Believe me, when you start reading people, Amber, right? It just makes the process so much easier and more
0: fun. Yeah, absolutely. But that does require this fifth thing. And like you touched on, there's the social intelligence, but then there's our social awareness, but then there's the self-awareness. So leaders are readers of themselves and that's not always fun
1: (laughs) man let me tell you um this is why you need to have an inner circle and we haven't gotten to the law of the inner circle yet but we will but (laughs) i think everybody in life has to have an inner circle or inner circles um as Maxwell would say, there's different inner circles depending on, is it work? Is it play? Is it family? I mean, there's a ton of stuff, but you need people speaking into your life because it's really difficult to read ourselves, but leaders are readers of themselves. You have to have the ability to read yourself. You have to. In fact, in Maxwell's book, he he gives a Um, A a quote by uh, James Russell, who's a poet, and he says this, no one can produce great things who is not thoroughly sincere in dealing with himself. Mm -hmm. And my question for our our listeners out there today is, are you you reading yourself on a daily basis? Are you making changes? Are you saying, wow, this is working. I need to continue to do this. And then looking at other stuff and saying, I really got to change that about myself because it's not making me a better leader. See, leaders need to know their strengths and they need to know their weaknesses. Um, or as Kevin would say, uh, their growing edges, right? Uh, <laughs> but one of my favorite books, again on the top 50, uh, is a book um, that is about strengths. It's called Strengths Finders 2.0. In the Strengths Finder two uh, If you were to take that, and I mentioned this, that you should take that assessment, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, I stand by my by my thought. You need to take that assessment, and whether you figure out your top five or all thirty four strengths in a row, you need to know those strengths. If you're a leader and you don't know your strengths, and I'm talking about like objectively, uh, meaning oh yeah, I'm good at this, I'm good at that, or I mean, how many people do we know that think they're good singers, but we've all heard them <laughs> sing, and, and we're thinking. Man, I was sitting next to you in the car. Dude, you're not a singer, right? Um, and, so I, and for our listeners, that's not Amber. I've never heard her sing. And so that, that that's not that's not her. Uh, she could be a great singer for all I know. But, but what are your strengths? I know my strengths. Amber, you and I talk about strengths all the time, right? And a lot of times I bring the conversation back to when you'll say, Mo, but what do I do about this or that? I always say, well, what are their strengths? What are their, yeah. What are their top three to five strengths? And that always, doesn't it always it always opens up to a, a deeper discussion about, am I putting people in the right place? Well, if we do that with our people, Amber, why don't we do it with ourselves? If you're out there and you don't know your strengths, you need to know them. Because if you don't know your strengths, how do you know what you're doing well and what you need to get better at?
0: Yeah, that is really, really good. Well, as we come to the end of our discussion of the law of intuition, which I know will not be the last time we talk about it. But as we conclude today, what are are some of your final thoughts and how would someone that's listening today that wants to grow in this, how would Rising Tide leadership come alongside them and help them grow?
1: What we like to do at Rising Tide is come alongside people and help to consult or even coach, and how you bring your organization closer to to excellence. If you think about it, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? And so that's why I'm in the leadership business. I love reading about leadership. I love learning about leadership. I love teaching leadership. And we've all seen excellent organizations, uh, but don't they take a long time to build, but they can fall apart really fast. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? It's, it's the new year. We all got that new gym path. <laughs> and, and, and gyms are going to be opening back up and I'm going to get in there. And it's really hard to grow those muscles, but it's really easy to take a couple of weeks off and lose what you put a lot of time and <laughs> to get, it's the same thing with organizations. If you're a leader out there and don't really know what to do, we would love to help you do that. We want to help create excellence in an organization because when leaders become self centered, if they become, uh, if they get down on themselves uh, or down on the organization, if they become obtuse in the way that they think and, and they don't let ideas in, then it just affects the entire organization. But when leaders become others focused, when they become optimistic, when they are uh, bringing more people to the table to find out what are they thinking? What are their new ideas? That's when organizations thrive. And Rising Tide Leadership, um, what we like to do is we we consult in that kind of culture for organizations. And so my hope for us uh, today, Amber, is that um, when we speak to people, and if you're listening out there that we want you and your organization to become better because just like living leads to ultimately dying, right? I mean, decline <laughs> is that inevitable. But for most of us, man, um, I, I believe that our organizations, the organizations that we deal with on a daily basis, they're on the incline right now. They're far yeah. from the decline and don't you want to be part of the incline don't you want to be part of something that that is bigger than you don't you want to be something be part of something that is going to do great things and that's why amber it's important for leaders to be readers in these five areas so that they can put their people their organization in the best possible position to win and to be successful and we would love to be a part of that with you. So I'm just glad that we have this platform and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, for you and what, and what you've done and what you're doing with your organization. And man, for everybody listening out there, I just want you to be excellent. I want you to do what you do the best. And and we love to help to help you do that. And we love doing what we're doing now talking about it.
0: Yeah. And such a privilege to be able to come alongside someone and see them thrive. So everybody, we are so glad that you joined us today on this Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We hope that you will come back next week as we continue this leadership journey. And you can also find us at risingtideleadership.com. So don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. And we will see you next week.